0: While the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know we're for, We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. Hey, well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Uptown Church. I'm Joy Gonzalez. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, um, I'm the lead pastor here at this campus, and it's so good to see you this morning. We are talking about money. And some of y'all who are here for the first time, you're like, What? I came on Money Sunday? Welcome. (laughs) The exits are to the back and the right we won't blame you if you go. No, it's, we are in this series where we have been asking the question, if our money could talk, what would it say to us? If we flipped the script and instead of telling our money where to go and what to do, because usually that's what we do with our money, we spend it, we tell it where to go and, and what to buy for us. But what if we let money give us some advice? Kind of a fun, different way to think about our money. And if you let your money talk, what would your money say to you? Some of you embrace yourself. You're like, oh, I don't know if I want my money to talk um, because I'm not sure if it would be nice to me because I don't know if I've always been nice to my money or done what I should. But I think for most of us, What money would say to us if money could talk wouldn't necessarily surprise us. It would probably sound a lot like maybe our parents. It might sound like a really good accountant or financial advisor or that personal finance teacher in college who was like, please don't sign up for credit cards in college, you're 18. But money would probably say a lot of common sense things. But I think what would surprise us and what we've been looking at the past few weeks is that if money could talk to us, some of the things it would say to us would sound really similar to the things that Jesus actually did say to us, especially when it came to our money. But here's the catch. When Jesus talked about money, which he did more so than any other topic, even heaven, Jesus wasn't after people's money. Jesus wasn't talking about money so he could take up a collection at the end and fund the JesusSaves.org ministry, okay. When Jesus was talking about money, he was talking about something more. He was after something else in our lives. Jesus was after our hearts because he knew that often how we spend our money, how we utilize our resources says way more about us than the things we actually say we believe in or value. To say it this way, Jesus basically knew that he could tell what we cared about most or you and I can tell what we care about most by how we utilize the resources, including our money, that have been given to us. So the last two weeks, we've been looking at this big idea. And the first thing we realized that money would say to us and Jesus iterated when he talked to people was this. If money could talk, it would say, I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of life. That sometimes we think the end goal is simply accumulate, accumulate, consume, make more. And we're bombarded by those messages all the time What from culture. What you need, you need more money so you can get more this and more that. But Jesus said when we think like that, when our assumption is that everything that comes to us is for us, for our consumption, money becomes the end goal or the purpose of our life. And it's not a good enough purpose or meaning for life. That money is much better understood as being a tool, a means to achieving purpose and meaning in life. And then last week we looked at this big idea around money that money would probably also tell us, the moment you think you own me, the moment you think you have control over me, I actually own you. See, the idea around that, and Jesus talked about it this way, was that everything that we have is from God, that the Christian perspective on our resources, on our lives is that everything that we have, even the breath in our lungs, the, the beat in our heart is a gift from God. And so our resources, our stuff is not really our stuff, we're simply managers and stewards of it. And Jesus says we are much better managers than owners. Because when we know that we're taking care of and we're accountable for God's resources, we usually do a better job. I mean, when you're taking care of somebody else's stuff, how many of you do a much better job than when you're taking care of your own stuff? Yes, it's same with kids too, okay? You always take care of everyone else's kids way better than your own. Jesus knows that it leads to a healthy relationship with our stuff when we realize ultimately it's not ours, but that we're stewarding, stewarding it for God. Today I want to wrap up with one big question for us. That's where we have come. But one question that really has nothing to do with money. But if you're brave enough to answer this question, if you are brave enough to face down this question and view your life through the lens of this question, I, I guarantee it will change your life. Not just your relationship with money, but your entire life. And it's a question that Jesus brings up again and again. And it's this To what end do you want your life to be a means? To what end? Do you want your life to be a means? In other words, when people stand around after you have died, what do you want people to say about you? What do you want your life to count for? And then, is that what you're living for? Jesus tells this story in the New Testament. And Jesus often told stories. We call them parables. But he tells this story to a group of people. And and in this story, what he's trying to do is challenge the way in which they frame their entire life. This is what Jesus says. He said, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store this abundance of crops. So this rich man becomes even more wealthy and rich because the ground where he produces his crops produces more than he could have imagined without him doing anything. He's blessed by this surplus. And so he questions, what do I do with all of this surplus? Then he said, this is is what I'll do. I'll tear down all of my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So Jesus is telling the story of this wealthy, rich, successful man who becomes even more wealthy and more rich and more successful, this surplus, and he says, okay, what am I going to do with this? And so he says, well, I'll I'll, I'll tear down the garages that I have and I'll build bigger ones so that I can store all of this and then I'm really set. Then I can just take it easy, eat, drink, be merry. I mean, that's the dream, right? That's what we're all working for today, build up the retirement, have a little fun now, but like just be able to sit back and eat, drink, be merry, and take life easy. All the people who would have been hearing that story for the first time are thinking like, okay, this is pretty much how we think life is supposed to go. So why is Jesus telling this story? And then he says this, but God said to the man, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You fool, you thought you had life set and now your life is ending quicker than you think it will and all this stuff is left behind and, and what will come of it? All of the people who were hearing this story from Jesus would be like, whoa, hold up, wait a minute. That's not how the story is supposed to go. That's how you and I think. That's not how the story is supposed to go. We're supposed to take it easy, live life, eat, drink, and be merry. But as we talked a little bit last week about we don't own our stuff, it doesn't go with us when we're gone. And Jesus goes on and he says this, he kind of steps out of the story and he looks his audience in the eye and says this, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. He says to this first audience and I think to you and I too, this is the story That will become your story if it is simply about accumulating more. If it is simply your life being driven by the assumption that everything that comes to me is for me. That everything that comes to me is for my consumption. And that the sum of all of life is just getting more, getting more, getting more. He said, this will be the end. It all goes to nothing, is what Jesus says to these first people. So back to the question, to what end do you want your life to be a means? Because in telling that story, what Jesus is telling them is that there is more your life can be lived for. He's saying, this man has worked hard, he's accumulated, he dies, and then all of his stuff is left behind. There is nothing to show for his life but what he left. He didn't even give it to anybody, it just was left. And so then whoever could come along and take it does. And Jesus says, that is not the way of the people who follow me, your life is more valuable than that. Your life can count for something. Your life—you are—you you are made with a purpose, to live life on purpose, and the world needs you to live in that purpose. So he challenges them: Will that be your story, or? At the end of your life, will you have lived it in such a way that your life facilitated a much greater work of God? Will people stand up at your funeral and say things about you not, oh, she had the coolest stuff. You should have seen the car she drove. Or will they say, I am so grateful for her witness and for her life She didn't always have the time, but she made the time. And because she did, I understood who God was and I lived my life differently. Because of him, I know who God is. Because of them, during this season in my life, I was struggling and they were there with me. And I realized my life had purpose and meaning even when everything was falling apart. What will people say at the end of your life? See, Jesus goes on and he says this um, idea that if money talked, I think it would tell us, my direction reveals your affection. How you use me, how you spend me, how you engage with me, the direction you put me in refe- reveals what you care about most. And I would say your the direction of your resources your money reveals the end goal of your life or what your life will be at the end and what do you want it to be at the end one of the saddest types of funerals as a pastor I can do and I've only had a, only done a couple of these are the funerals in which people did not answer that question to what end do I want my life to be a means and not much is said and stuff is talked about, but it's usually people arguing over who's going to get this stuff. What end will your life purpose, like, serve? Your direction, the direction of your money, reveals what you care about most. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that. He actually went on and he said this to followers. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And treasure is not a word we use often, but he meant where where your stuff is, where your possessions are, where your resources are, that is where your heart is. So you might say, well, I, I love... I love God, I'm following God, I'm doing this. Jesus would say, well, actually the litmus test is for where your heart is, is where all your stuff is. And if those two things don't line up, there's something's off. But the good thing is Jesus gave us a remedy for this problem. For this problem that culture so much propagates us in us. And we're told that stuff is about the greatest thing we can do with our life. Accumulate and consume. Because Jesus may say, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the good news is with that is that wherever you want your heart to be, you can start adjusting where your resources and your treasure are and change the direction of your life and your heart. And Jesus gives us a pathway to do that. Now, last week I asked you at the end of talking about who owns whom, when we talk about money, to track your spending for a week. And not just like where you think it's going, but like where it actually goes. Anyone get real excited about that? you were like, woo-woo, break open the champagne. Okay, I got one hand back there, thank you. (laughs) But if you have ever done that exercise before, whether last week or not, I I highly recommend it. It's an eye-opening exercise to see who's calling the shots in your life. But one thing you start to notice when you track your money is that there's, like, a few basic ways in which you can actually use your money. Now, there's some, like, subcategories and layers under these, but there's about five things in general you can do with your money. You can, um, one, you can spend it. Woo, woo, where my spender's at. You can buy stuff. Great shoes. So you can spend your money. Two, you can repay debts. Woo. If you were one of those people who were like, woo, woo, I'm a spender, you probably do that. <laughs> so you repay debts. Three, you can pay your taxes. Yes. It is tax season, baby. Um, so please do that. Um, four, you can save it. Yeah, yeah. No one got very excited about that. Okay, we're a spending congregation. I get it. You can save it. And then five, you can give it. You can give your money away. So you can spend it, repay debts, pay taxes, save your money, or give your money away. What do you notice about that list? If you really look at each of those items, who is the outcome of all of these items. Who, who is the direction and the focus and all of these engagements with money? One, spend it. Usually it's for you. Something that you want. So, you know, me. I'm, I'm the outcome. Repay debts. Well, you incurred them. So it's for you that you're repaying debts. Paying taxes. Okay, well, that's America and you. But basically for you. Save it. It's usually for you. Maybe at some point you're thinking saving for your kids after you. But f- really for you. And then five, give it. That, uh, that's not about you. That's about God and others. If, if you have extra, then you can give it to God and others. But the whole direction of this sort of spending, and this is usually the order in which most of us do these five things, spend, repay, pay, taxes, save it, and give it, is that it's all about me until that very end. Because most of us, most of us, and I'm not speaking for everybody, maybe this isn't you, but most people on average spend their money like this and the give it. Some of you are like, well the give it's even on the list, that's great, but usually what's our paradigm for giving? It's whatever's left after the other four categories, right? It's after I've spent, repaid, paid, saved, then if and big if, if I have any extra, then maybe I'll give it away and maybe I'll give it away as something really moves my heart. But this whole paradigm of engaging with money and this direction of sending it out for my purpose my benefit is that i become the end goal of my life and guess what money is not a good like end goal for your life but neither are you you are not a good enough just purpose for your life to stop with you everything that you are everything that god's given you just within yourself is so much more abundant when it's given away. The world doesn't need just your resources for good things, but the world needs all of who you are. And this becomes the end goal when it's flipped like this, me, 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 God and others. But Jesus says, what if, what if you want your life to be a means to an end, something that's bigger than yourself, what can you do? And he flips the script and says this, Seek first God's kingdom, God's way of being in the world. Seek first the right relationship with God and others' righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you. Jesus says that with all that we are and all that we have, we start with God. We start with others, not with ourselves And so that ends up looking like this. It's flipping those five things upside down. So instead of first spending, then repaying, then paying taxes, then saving, and then maybe giving, Jesus says, no, no, no. As someone who follows Jesus and wants to participate in what God's doing in the world, this is a paradigm that will set you free from the overwhelming desire for more and more and more, from greed. This is the paradigm that gives your life a meaning beyond you, that helps ensure you live a life that at the end of it, wasn't just about your stuff and wasn't just about what you wanted, but made a difference in those around you. This is how you flip the script. Jesus says, what if you sought first God's kingdom with your money, with your time, with the things that you invested in and you gave first. Then you save because Jesus, and when he says seek first the kingdom of God, he's not like speaking against any future planning in your life and just saying to be reckless, just give it all away. Jesus is saying, no, 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 save for your future, be wise, be smart, be responsible He's just asking for a reprioritization of where we start when it comes to giving, saving, and living. He says just start with the giving part first, and then save, and then adjust your life to live from the rest. Now, this is a, a big paradigm shift for many of us because we're, um, so many of us are taught to, to do the give piece last, that that's responsible the ironic thing is that there are studies that show how you spend your money and those who are generous, it, it's a keystone habit in your life. That usually generosity and choosing to be generosity, whether you feel like you have the capacity to or not, choosing to be generous usually helps you line up responsibility and accountability in every other part of your life. So Jesus isn't off base in saying this. He knows that, wait, when you prioritize giving and blessing others and the world and being about God's business, it brings all these other pieces together in your life. You remember what Jesus said, seek first. He didn't say seek only. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. Jesus doesn't ignore the other things. Jesus knows we have to survive, we need to save, we have to pay our taxes and our bills. Jesus isn't disregarding that, but he's just asking us to shift the way in which we engage with those things because he knows, he knows when we live like this, all of the other things do usually get taken care of and we're usually better at handling them. When we've chosen to give and be generous, and because it means what? It means we're living with our end game in mind. We're living with the end in mind and not just letting life happen to us, but choosing this is the this is the end. I want my life to be a means, so I will reorient everything that I do around this. I will start with being generous and then let all these things be added and organized around it. So friends, we're going to wrap up. If money talked with this, what would it look like for you to give first, save second, and then live on the rest? How would it change the dynamic of the end of your life? How would it change the world around you? What could be different for the better and maybe for the worse? What's lost if you do not live a more generative, generous life? So would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks, Lord, for For your heart towards us, you knew, you knew that where we put our resources usually has our heart. And God, you knew and know that that is not a big enough vision and purpose to live for, just simply ourselves or for the things we can accumulate, the money that we can make. God, we're here in this room because we believe there is a greater purpose to live our life, and we want that. Lord, would you help us to take Jesus' words that are hard, that are countercultural, to heart? That we would truly live the good, meaningful, purposeful life where we're not the end game, where our stuff is not the end game, but our impact lives beyond us. God, would you blow open our imagination and help us to see this world as you see it? Would you challenge us, God, to think about the end to which our money and our lives, our talents, our time can be a means. God, that we not only live more meaningful lives, but lives that reflect your vision for humanity in this world. God, we offer our lives to you and pray that you would have your way, that, God, we would be the people you're calling us to be so we can do the things you've called us to do. It's in your name we pray and believe all of these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit uptownchurchdallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.